All right, boss. And also as a disclaimer to anyone watching this or viewing from home, if you hear the muffled sounds of screams in the background, nobody's being murdered in my home. We have a two-week-old baby girl in the house, and she's asleep at the moment. And I do not know when she will not be asleep. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, first, congratulations. That's really exciting, man. I'm, uh, I'm happy for you guys. That's uh, that's really really awesome. We'll have to do we'll have to do a future podcast, maybe at like the one month mark or the three month mark, as to my lessons learned regarding yeah. oh. sleep and workouts and modifications and, and how much did I maintain or fall off or. Right now, we're just in maintenance mode. Not looking to set any crazy PRs. Well, I was going to say mode. in the in the age of the influencer and the uh, less than 30 second soundbite on Instagram and other platforms, um, I think the real life in the trenches experience of stuff like that, that actually comes at you is invaluable. So yeah, I'm sure that people would love to hear about that. I would love to hear about it. And we won't, no need to go down a rabbit hole because we haven't even got to our topic for today. But it's what's so wonderful about CrossFit, like in, in all honesty, like that's not just mindless propaganda that I don't need a huge amount of time to work out. Right. It does not take yep. long. If I have 20 minutes, I can get a yep. lot done in 20 yep. minutes, you know? And yesterday, for example, all, has a built-in warm-up. I did death by calorie on the air bike. Oh, nice. Done. Yeah. You know, just built-in warm-up, good to go, back inside, life's good. But anyway... I digress. We'll get there eventually. Today's topic. Yeah, well, actually, oh, before you, let's digress just a little bit. I think that is interesting. It's like there is a, a phase, I feel like, in the CrossFit life cycle where when you first get involved, I think for a lot of people, that is a huge draw is you can get in and get out and it's really efficient. And then as you get more and more <laughs> invested, you seem I to fall away from that. Yeah, and then people tend to to kind of convince themselves that they need like an hour or two hours, multiple training sessions in a day. And then at a certain point in your career, you come back around to this idea of like, oh, wait, maybe I don't need a crazy extensive training schedule. Maybe I do have the flexibility to lighten that up a little bit and I'm still going to retain and even gain in a lot of ways uh, fitness that I you know, didn't have before. So there's anyway, an it's, amazing, it's kind of interesting to see that. There's yeah. an amazing curve there. You're right. Of mm -hmm. less than more than you get back down. Yes. And, and, and that reduction, you know, what that allows you to do when you, you didn't jack it back up to spending two hours in the gym, right? You, you, you cut away the unnecessary, got right back down to the bones, what actually makes you fit and you're not overdoing it. Well, then you get to have this wonderful thing called recovery. You know, and then, and then when you go into the gym again, you get to bring this wonderful thing called intensity. And then guess what? Oh, yeah. get those things called results. But all of us yeah. have to, I think all of us have to stumble and fall and learn. And sure, it, it is it is what it is. Well, you know, if, if those sessions, this would be my potential lead in, if those are what we generally consider workout sessions, right? You're getting mm. in, you're hitting something with intensity, you lifted a big load, you got a sweat on, you're laying on the ground hyperventilating, like that's a training day, right? That's a valuable, mm. worthwhile training day. And if I don't have a lot of weight on the bar or feel like I had a near-death experience, <laughs> did I do anything? Did I accomplish something? And and what we want to chat about today is, is there value in just doing a skill session, a skill session, a practice yeah. session in the gym as the only thing that you do and then walking out? 
good day, bad day, wasted day. And I know that you have a strong opinion on this. So oh, yeah. I'll, I will roll that out. Well, let me, let me say first for anyone watching at home or listening, do you have some delineation in your head between what separates a quote unquote training day from a skill session in the gym? Um, <clears throat> I guess loosely, I would think about it as far as what the outcome is, is supposed to be. And so just what you described kind of in the run up, if the outcome I'm expecting is exhaustion or close to it, you know, a really hard effort that I am uh, feeling like depleted me to some degree, uh, I don't think that's in line with the skill session that I'm talking about. A skill, skill session that I'm conceptualizing is something that you come in, you'll be working hard because by the nature of trying to do something that is difficult, mm -hmm. you'll have to work hard. But not in the same way as, you know, sprinting your fastest mile, so to speak. So it'll be hard work, but a different flavor of hard work. And it's not one that's going to have you leaving the session feeling like you pushed some of those uh, uh, kind of organic adaptations to the limit. You know, I wanted to bring you right to what's the point of even doing a skill session. But, but before I do, what you just said sparked something in my head which is if a skill session doesn't have those attributes that, that most people associate with a rugged, a tough, a good, hearty day in the gym, it's the opposite. It sounds like unless maybe you have a more, for lack of a better way to say it, sophisticated or nuanced understanding of why we're doing certain things that appear to be different than a classic training day, it's going to be a tough sell. To talk yeah, to somebody in the be. fact that like, hey, yep. this is going to be a really great day in the gym. And then you tell them what they're going to do and they're like, that doesn't sound like we're working out. I'm not yep. going to do that. So let's start, start first with why do a skill session and then maybe how we can sell it to people or convince people of its value. So what, you know, what are some points of performance? What are some things that you would hope to get or your athletes would hope to get out of a skill session? Why do one in the first place? Well, I, uh, honestly, I think that why to do it and how to kind of package it and make it palatable to people are kind of, they're probably going to be one and the same. Okay. So I think there's definitely going to be some overlap there, but you know, there's, there's a ton of benefits. I think primarily if you're just kind of the average CrossFitter that wants to go faster and lift heavier and that sort of thing, the easy sell. Every, that's the every CrossFitter. Yeah. The, the <laughs> pragmatism of it is look. By taking the time to kind of refine some of these movements and techniques, you're going to be that much more efficient when it's time to step on the gas pedal. Um, it's just that simple. So refining movement, making sure that you're pushing in the right direction, make sure you're sequencing things correctly, make sure your positions are good, make sure you have enough range of motion to get in the positions in the first place. All of those things are what does allow you to go faster, lift heavier, push harder, etc., for longer. And I'm not just talking about in a single workout, but I'm talking over the span of the time that you hope to be working out. Mm -hmm. you know, so if you're starting with a, a poor platform of technique and position, range of motion, all of that stuff, it's going to be a hard road to just try to push through that without any sort of development of it. And so I think that's the number one pragmatic reason right there. And is it potentially a, a devil's advocate or... Yeah, you know, maybe a devil's advocate way to 
push back against that a bit be like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Like, I want to move well, I got to hit these proper positions, I want to be efficient, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Certainly don't want to move poorly, don't want to hurt myself, yeah. don't want to go slower, don't want to be weaker. All that makes sense. But isn't it classic CrossFit methodology? Like you said, the level one seminars, you know, do I want you to be at the right place or on time? Well, I want you to be both. I yeah. want you to move yeah. well and move quickly. So aren't you supposed to be doing just that actually moving well and in hitting your positions during every workout so why the heck do i need a skill sesh yeah that's a that's a great point and i do think that's another nuance and i think a lot of people if they're stuck in this binary way of thinking that is the immediate response is well hold on a second if i'm supposed to be getting it in the workout anyway why bother mm -hmm. taking it uh to that other extreme of 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 you know, perceived no intensity. And I think that's a good point, uh, both in the sense that when you are training, yes, you should be striving for a good position. You should be working at a threshold that, uh, that challenges all those things that we just talked about. So if you're doing it right, so to speak, yes, that should be inherent. But at the same time, <laughs> there is going to be some benefit to occasionally taking the foot off the gas and really dedicating yourself to the pursuit of those those individual techniques or, or the weak links in the, the chain that you've got personally. Um, and I think where the interesting part of the conversation comes in is how often and, um, you know, when is it appropriate to do that and with what? I don't think the binary of is it all intensity all the time or is it skills until they're perfect? Mm. Both of those approaches are terrible, mm -hmm. you know. You got to find that balance in the middle, and that's where the interesting conversation starts. So, so more skill, increased efficiency. Um, yep. if, we're, if we're still sticking to why, you know, we would want to do a skill session, and these points would also help convince somebody as to their value. Another part you mentioned before, when we were kind of hashing out things that we wanted to touch on today, was potentially using a skill session as a valuable, valuable sort of deload. What did you mean by oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, intensity is one of those things like loading where you're going to naturally regulate just via exhaustion and being, you know, hard to recover from. But that's not where you want to end up if you're thinking about it well. You don't want to just keep running into the brick wall hard enough until you're like, my body is broken down and I can no longer continue like this. Uh, a well-structured training program is going to account for some of those fluctuations and, in fact, build some time in where it's like, hey, we've been working really hard. The intensity has been really high. Let's back it off a little bit before you are forced to back it off mm -hmm. through burnout or injury or, or whatever, just exhaustion. Um, but if you're smart about that and you structure some of these lower-intensity things in there, not only do you get the benefit of that direct skill practice – but you get the benefit of a little bit more recovery and it can start to stoke that uh, motivation to get back to intense training because you're like, okay, I've had, I've had a little bit of a mental break from this. I'm ready to go again. You know, what's interesting about that and some concepts of giving yourself a break and deload or whatnot, it doesn't, it doesn't play into skills, but this is just, it's not even yeah. a rabbit hole. It's just a, a quick off ramp that we'll get right okay. back on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> is obviously I fully agree like like everything else intensity has to be controlled modulated regulated because just thinking that you're going to go in and smash yourself maximally every day is I, I know where that road leads mm -hmm. and it took me far longer than I wish I had to admit to figure this out and actually be able to navigate it well for me anyway is now you know I'll lay out for example let's say 
a week's worth of training. And let's say there's five days of working out and two off days. And I'll look at those five days and I might generally pick two of the five and be like, on these two days here that are a few days apart, I'm going to try to press the gas pretty darn hard on those two uh-huh. days. On this day here, on, on Tuesday, you know what? I'm going to just be casual and I'm going to allow myself to be casual. And it's not so much an act of recovery. I'm doing wonderful functional movements. I'll get a good sweat going on, but intensity is not, is not my goal because, and so it's not a, um, you know, intentional, like it wasn't written down as, Hey, today is a deload day, but this Mm -hmm. can also be done on the individual level. If you have that, awareness and discipline to, to lay it out. So I'll lay out out of five days, a couple of days I plan to stomp the gas. One day that let's say will be a moderate day to moderately high and two that I'm going to be kind of casual on. And that nice yeah. little oscillation there allows for this wonderful sustainability, good high yep. peaks of intensity, days to ease off a bit, keeps the body and mind feeling good, doesn't burn me out mentally either. But it took me a very long time to get there. And so if some folks aren't there yet, intentionally scripting in something which fills that such as a skills day might serve a nice purpose for them absolutely and i think it takes the pressure off you a little bit mentally to feel like you have to go in and you have to like pr and you have to really you know push the needle forward every single session uh and the longer you stick around in anything physical you realize that that is impossible in the long term, you know, right. in that beginner <laughs> novice stage, everything is deadlift new. was is going to go up every time <laughs> yeah, that I yeah, deadlift, just, isn't it? Just linearly forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's, I'm actually living that life today. We mentioned the two week old baby yeah. in my house. Well, today's workout that I have to do is a seven by one deadlift. So I've done a seven by one deadlift countless times over the last 16 years of CrossFit. So the workout that I'm about to do is one that I've done many, many times. And linear, and from a linear fashion, I'm further along today in my training than I've ever been in my entire life. So you would think those two would line up as I've been training for the longest Best I've ever been. Ever. <laughs> and it's a seven by one repeat day. PR. Yeah. Well, the, the two week old child in my house uh, has thrown a hand grenade into my sleep cycle. So Today is just going to be going into the gym with that awareness, that consciousness and being like, whatever feels heavy today is just whatever feels heavy today. And that's yeah. okay. And it, it is completely unrelated to whatever the heck my last seven by one session was. I actually don't even yeah. care what those numbers were. I'm going to warm up, I'm going to listen and going to lift. And that that can be done, like I'm saying now, through 16 years of lessons learned on the individual level, or let's have a talk with a coach, let's program in some skill days, and let's give these people a nice, you know, yep. um, a nice ride between high intensity, moderate intensity, and a day that just, that pressure's kind of off, and we're just moving our body and greasing the groove a little bit. Yeah, and I think the nuance there is with somebody like yourself who's so experienced, and, you know, you've built up a ton of self-knowledge over those years, and like you said, it took a while to get there. I think that's true right. for all of us. Uh, you know, you are realistic about what can and should be achieved on a day like that when you're like, okay, this is a new scenario for me. I'm coming into this deadlift. I'm not, I haven't slept well. You know, this is a new phase of my life, all of those things. Um, but it's not a cop out. And I think that's in the right. beginning where 
some people fall on the other end of that. And, and that's not where you are, right? This is not like, oh, I don't expect anything of myself. Oh, I'm never going to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ever find this, uh, this reason to approach a true level of intensity. This is coming around full circle and saying, I have enough knowledge of self and my, my realistic abilities that this is going to be the most useful thing for me to do today. Right. And that's very different. So I just wanted to point that out. One of the other reasons you gave as a a great purpose behind a skill session as well. And I know it's a longer quote, I believe a Gladstone quote. I don't want to mess it up because it's, it's beautiful and I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with it. And it was about, there's more to gain by pursuing your weaknesses. Yes. So what what was that one? So more to gain by pursuing your weaknesses head on than by continuing to develop your strengths. And if you think about fitness as this kind of spider web map of ability, and you've got strength on this end and flexibility is over here and, you know, uh, stamina is on this end and endurance is over here and flexibility, I think I already said flexibility, but coordination is over mm-hmm. here. You get the idea. You could plot them all kind of on the spider web. In the perfect world, if we're looking at like a, a even distribution, you'd see this just blossom kind of effect happen. Um, but for many of us, that's that's not really the way things happen. You <laughs> right. kind of narrow in on a pie slice and you're like, well, this is the fun stuff. So I'm right here. Um, but to that same point that we were making earlier, just because you've done something a long time doesn't mean you're going to be linearly excelling at that. At, at a certain point, there's going to be diminishing returns for the time invested there. Those relatively weaker points on that spider web graph are going to take less time to accelerate out and bring up your overall level of fitness. So the concept there is like, hey, maybe some of these things that you've been neglecting a little bit with just a little bit more time invested, it can really shore up some gaps in your total fitness pretty quickly. And that's pretty exciting to see. And again, that can be like really mentally refreshing if you've been pursuing something for a long time and you're starting to see that slowdown in progress, you shift gears a little bit, you see some progress in a new direction, that can really fire you back up. It's pretty cool. And it's one of those long-term things that is like, man, I can do this for the rest of my life. I can keep kind of pushing the needle forward in different areas. And it's okay that my deadlift might never get past where it was when I was 25 because I've got these other things that I can develop and bring up. And they're going to make you so much more capable. And I I think that's one of the the beautiful things about CrossFit is the variance. As a matter of fact, that the name of this podcast, right? Very not random. And, and we could actually do a show upon what that actually means. But mm-hmm. variance is just a treasure trove of athletic and fitness potential, you know, but it takes, it takes discipline to do it because most people don't like to do things that they're not good at. Most people don't like yeah. to do things which make them look subpar compared to their peers. But if, if you can, and if you do, you will unlock fitness potential. And th- there's another glass of quotes that I'm going to, mess up but it's it's extolling the virtues of gpp and it basically Mm -hmm. says that human body or physiology is not so well understood that highly specialized programs have the payoff that we think that that this gpp yields tremendous benefit and and even in elite athletes it only takes a few sessions to identify things that they don't look good at at all and you should focus on those and try to make them better at those things and it will even improve their strength in in ways that we don't quite understand yet and i've seen that with my own eyes i think that's that's powerful and that can be that can be achieved in the skill session like you're talking about absolutely I, i also think there's a way if you do it 
intelligently and, and f- in a focused manner and intentionally to do it maybe with the workout of the day. So, one of the things I asked you earlier was, well, hey, that that counterpoint of aren't I supposed to be moving well and mm. fast at the same time? Yes, like you said, yes, you're supposed to be. <laughs> but if you do have the discipline, you know, let's take a workout, um, Annie, for example, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, double unders and sit-ups, right? Most people aren't going to struggle with the sit-ups, even though it's a decent volume. It's going to be the double unders that get a lot of people because of the coordination, accuracy, agility, and balance, the neurological components, which shockingly are developed through practice. Well, mm-hmm. yes, that's the workout of the day, right? And if you blitz it, it can be a very intense experience. But maybe you can turn Annie, if you do it intentionally, yes, it's a workout, but it's also a skill session. You could do it by just not running the clock that day and saying, hey, you know what? This set of 50 double unders, I'm just going to look at the clock and I'm going to practice double unders for for three minutes. Then I'm going to do my sit-ups. And then for the set of 40, I'm going to practice double unders for two and a half minutes. Then, like You could make this session, which is maybe you're getting some fast movement on the 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 of sit-ups, but then on the other part of that couplet, you kind of dissected it and made that a skill session as well. And you kind of had this hybrid. So I think there's multiple yeah. ways maybe to skin the cat there. Absolutely. And I mean, to use that example, I think another way, this is something I think is also interesting uh, as people get more involved in CrossFit as it is, uh, what's a good way to describe it? Almost like like the brand of Mm-hmm. Instead of the idea of, and the idea of is that you should be looking for ways to challenge yourself in an expansive way. And there's always going to be something to work on the kind of brand of is like, well, this is the narrow band with, with, with which we act in. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, once I'm good at kipping handstand pushups and double unders, that's the extent of my upside down work and jump rope. And you just get really good at those two skills in this very narrow bandwidth. And it's like, well, hold on, that's missing the boat if you're right. talking about like the pure idea of this thing. And so to get back to your uh, uh, example of a workout with double unders and sit-ups as a skill session, I take it one step further. Put a time frame on those uh, jump rope sets. Pick two or three or four different jump rope movements that you do not have a lot of experience with. And during that interval, see how many times you can link those different skills together and in which different combinations and use approach it that way. Yeah. And it's not just a single, well, I got double unders and now I'm good with a jump rope. It's a more universal approach to what can I do with this thing and how many ways can I be skillful? Now, there's a million ways to, to challenge your training like that that I think people miss because they're so focused on, well, I'm really good at at a butterfly kipping pull-up and that's the expression of my pull-ups now right You're like yeah okay but that's like a tenth of what you could be doing you don't want to pigeonhole yourself or lose the forest through the trees and i see this happen yeah. every now and then if you know because everybody wants double unders right and every now and then i might program a workout that has single unders and people have been crushing double unders and now they've yeah. forgotten how to do single unders. And you would think, well, if you can do double unders, obviously you can do single unders all day long. That's not necessarily the case. If you've become this hyper-specialized, what you thought was yep. CrossFit ninja expert at, at what is always programmed, then the jump ropes put in your hands, like you're saying, with a different movement and all of a sudden you look like a total novice. You know, yeah. So keep pushing out yep. the margins of, of that yeah, experience. Yeah, like people forget that if, if well-roundedness is the goal, then you should be well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
right. You know, but precisely. Let me, let me get back to just the kind of summation there is that I think some of the other attributes and you touched on this already, but just to kind of really hammer it home, you know, things like agility, things like coordination, things like balance, mm. um, you know, to a lesser extent, things like flexibility, they can be harder to develop in an intense environment. I think you have to test them there. You have to push the bounds of them there. But at the end of the day, you have to develop some of that raw potential away from the intensity and then drive it forward under the intensity. I think about like a pure sport application. You know, one of the hardest things in sport is maintaining your skill set while you fatigue. And that's often what separates the best from the also rands, right? Is how long can I still skillfully execute late into the game or late mm-hmm. into the you know match or whatever? That's going to be the separator. And without a huge reserve of skill, that's not going to happen. You can't have like a, a like an okay skill set and then add fatigue to it and hope that it's just going to hold up. It won't. Right. So you know, the skills as well are things which are a high level of skill compared to simplistic movements in general especially like a level one setting, you would say those are more demanding of the neurological components, right? Of the 10 general mm-hmm. physical skills. We've said it several times with the, you know, coordination, accuracy, agility, and balance. And a key component when you'd lecture to people at the level one seminars was discussing how there are some organic components, some neurological components, those organic ones developed through training and those neurological ones, shocking, were developed through practice. And that's another way to kind of say, the skill session is it's a practice session. You're practicing certain skills, drills, movements, positions that you want to develop. And that is how you ideally will cultivate those neurological components. And if you're not doing that, if you buy into the CrossFit methodology, which you probably do because you're listening to this, you're listening to us, yeah. <laughs> there's you know the 10 general physical skills. You've got uh, power and speed in the middle, which are you know, demanding of both the organic and the neurological components. Well, four out of 10 are neurological, right? I mean, so if mm-hmm. you're not giving those the respect they deserve or giving them some sort of attention, you know, mathematically, you might be not performing. There's 40% of the pie that's you could be just flourishing as an athlete and you're not doing. So getting back to if you can motivate people because most CrossFitters want the time on the clock to be faster. They want their squat clean yeah. to go up. And if you can tie these together, hey, if you do want a faster Fran and a bigger deadlift and a whatever, the skill session will help you do that. And it's intimately tied to that. I don't, you're a much more talented uh, lecturer than I ever was, but I used to try to trick people a little bit, bait them, if you will. It was done out of love, but I would, you know, I would, I would <laughs> trick them in one of the lectures. I think it was the technique lecture, as a matter of fact. That oh, was my favorite one to give. Loved that lecture. I, I loved that lecture. To this yeah. day. And yeah. I would say, okay, look, we've got a hypothetical athlete. They've got a, it's a male, got a 375 pound deadlift. We all know that everybody wants four plates in that barbell, right? We want 405 pounds. It looks fantastic on social media. And so this athlete goes from 375 to 405 on their deadlift in one year. Is that athlete stronger? And they're like, yeah, of course. I mean, you're kidding me. Yeah, it took, took them a year, I got 405. I'm like, okay, great. What if it took them six months? They're like, yeah, sure. That's, that's you know, good on you. Jeez, you did really well, but they, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, what if it took 
uh, a month and they're like, oh, well, I mean, well, you, you deadlifted more. So yeah, you're strong, but man, that's really impressive. What if it took two hours? And they're like, no, no, no way. It can't happen. And that would, of course, you know, get them to be like, well, what, what made you say stronger initially? Was it the duration of time or was it the increased yeah. loading? You know, it was the increased loading. Then as I shortened it, you're like, you're messing with my mind. Why do you keep shortening uh-huh. the time domain? I don't like what you're doing here. And we, we would get back to that whole, you know, CrossFit's definition of strength is, is the productive application of force. What they had in their mind was more of a classic exercise science definition of like the contractile potentials of your muscles. Yep. That's strength. Well, yes, you're not going to change the contractile potential in, in two hours. But, but through the neurological components, through the sequencing through the patterns through the, through the firing and the, through the coordination you might you might change the position of, of your lifts your movement your body and the weight goes up in the bar and, and what crossfit cares about is the work that you can do well you just did more work so we're saying you're stronger and if you do want to move better to move faster to lift more weight and the you believe you buy into crossfit the strength is a productive application of force well, that productive application of force is technique dependent. You will never get yeah. there without technique. And if you want to get better at technique, practice, 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 yeah. skill set. And so we kind of tie this into this performance aspect and let people know, like, you're leaving money on the table. Absolutely. By not yeah, doing that. Yeah, to get that. back to your, to your example of contractile potential. I mean, if you think about, like, okay, I have 100% of my potential, but only 50% of that is harnessed into the lift and represented by what I can show on the barbell. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't you want that to be closer to 100%? Like, wouldn't anybody want that? Yep. Um, it, it seems so obvious when you put it in those terms, you know. And the only way that you're going to bridge that gap is through a better application of technique. And it's we're doing complex do movements. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. you know, my my working out previous to CrossFit was largely simple movements. We're talking sure. or machine-based. Yeah. Not, not a lot of thinking. The pec deck. Like I didn't have to come yeah. in for a skill session to practice my technique on the pec deck. Like it it yep. guides you through the range of motion you yeah. don't know. Or Your the leg press. Can be totally elsewhere. You can you can, <laughs> you dis- can be just as successful. You can disconnect correctly. And, <laughs> yeah. and now we're living in a wildly yeah. different world where Technique is is key is king and giving it the respect that it deserves will will pay off greatly. So, I think we hopefully. Well, I got I've got one more oh, thing to kind of end bonus. on here, and I think this is yeah I think this is often overlooked, and I think it's super important for everybody. I think it's increasingly important as you and I discussed today. We're we're getting a little longer in the tooth in our you know both lives Indeed. and CrossFit uh, careers, but I think the fun factor of learning a new skill, dabbling with new things, trying out stuff, tinkering, like that is so important, especially as you become more routine in your life, especially as there's less and less that uh, you experience that is genuinely new to you. Mm -hmm. I think those types of things are critical to just enjoying yourself in the gym, to wanting to be back in the gym, the pursuit of something that you're a beginner at, I think can't be overstated. Uh, and so allowing yourself that opportunity of, Hey, you know, I've never learned how to do a handstand. I'm 40 years old and I'm going to put myself upside down and go through that process and I'm going to have fun with it. And it's not about this expectation of perfection, but it's the, the journey of it and the pursuit of it. I think there's so much benefit there 
And it's often brushed off because people think that it has to be like serious mm -hmm. to be useful. And I reject that outright. I think that the tinkering, the fun, the dabbling, that's so important. You can't lose sight of that. So that's what I'm going to leave with. All the no. other benefits we talked about, but the cherry on top is that you can keep it fun and there's huge benefit to that. You're, you're speaking my language there because you know that I don't enjoy working out. So if I'm not having, <laughs> if I'm not having fun, in all yeah. honesty, it's tough enough for me to walk into the gym anyway, fully understanding how amazingly beneficial it is to my yeah. life and my well-being. If I can, you know, if there's a fun aspect, that just makes it easier to go into the gym. And anything which makes it easier to go into the gym keeps me more consistent and the payoff is through the roof. So 100%. Well, let's say... You know, if you're working out in your garage, you're the king of the castle. You know, you do whatever you want, schedule whatever you want. But let's say that you're an affiliate owner and you're like, gotcha. I understand the value of what you're saying, boss, right? I mean, it's, we articulated mm. like, yes, the answer is yes. But I've got these clients that want to come in. They want to get their lift on, their, their, their sweat on. How can the affiliate owner work it into what they have going on? What would you recommend for frequency? Yeah, I think that once, twice a week is probably plenty. And I think building it into the culture that you've established is the biggest win that you can get. And really that comes from the top down and then it gets adopted. And once you have that buy-in, then it's just, you know, everybody is doing it. And I've seen that happen at so many successful affiliates where a very common example is Thursdays and Sundays are either like a kind of more mellow day just mm -hmm. because you've got the early weakers that come in and, and have beat themselves up a little bit and you just can't keep beating them up, you know, until the week's over. Um, you need that little bit of mental break, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Friday, Saturday, you're going to have that, you know, weekend crowd that wants to come in and get their workout done. So great, respect that, do it. Um, but Thursdays and Sundays seem to be like natural fits for a lot of places to, hey, let's take a little bit of intensity away. Let's do either some active recovery or some skill specific work. And that is part of the culture that that's what we do. You show up on Thursdays and you know that we're going to be working on handstands and forward mm -hmm. rolls. And we're going to be, you know, doing things that are a little bit more unorthodox. Uh, and they are going to culminate in a skill set that's more robust than, than what you would get otherwise. Um, and again, I think if it's presented that way and there's a rationale behind it and you can start to educate your people on why it's important, the buy-in will be there. If you kind of waffle about like, well, you know, I heard on some podcast somewhere it would be a good idea <laughs> and you're not really bought into it, well then, yeah, sure. your people probably won't be either. Um, but I've seen it implemented really successfully when it is just an accepted part of the culture. That's what we do. You know, yeah, what, we work on skills. That's, that's part of it. You know, it could also be another way to do it depending upon how Jim's program, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I've been very vocal about this. So it won't shock anybody that... I'm a fan of, you know, one workout a day, you pour your heart and soul into it, not having a part A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, et cetera. So if you yeah. do have a classic CrossFit sort of programming, if, you know, the workout of the day is just Amanda, squat, snatch, and ring muscle-ups, that's the only thing that we're going to do. Well, since you're going to do just that workout, that depending upon the clientele you have there, maybe it's five to 12 minutes, you know, somewhere in that, in that arena, you could... Since you're not trying to sneak in a strength session or something else beforehand, you do a warm and then you might have 15 minutes before Amanda 
with very lightweight or barbell work that mm-hmm. you're you're warming up, but you're also disguised a practice session where oh, all absolutely. of your athletes are practicing the snatch and you get to walk around and correct them or they're practicing their ring muscles. They think they're warming up and they are, but they're doing both at the same time. And when you don't overcrowd the hour with something yeah. that that in my humble opinion isn't quite necessary, well then what you're what you get is time, wonderful, precious mm-hmm. time to execute these things, not only potentially on a dedicated day, like you're saying, but but maybe even with some more frequency. Absolutely. And uh, I think that actually jogged a lot of different thoughts. Uh, first being that the this idea of time, yes, I think most coaches need to give themselves more time and they need to respect the fact that it takes a lot of time for people to both react to how you're coaching them and in the long term to really develop a solid foundation of skill. That's not something that just happens. It takes time. You have to respect that. And so you have to allow the time for that. Um, Second thing, I completely agree with this kind of creating other opportunities to do it. One of the things I used to recommend all the time, I hadn't thought about this in years, but it's, it's exactly that. Looking forward to workouts that are coming down the pipe later that mm. have a high skill component and then recognizing before that, where are opportunities that we have less of a skill demand that we can insert some of that. So for example, maybe you know that next Friday you're going to be doing Amanda. That's what's on the, the calendar. You've got your program kind of thought out for a week or two or whatever. Great. Count back a couple days. You're like, well, it turns out like three or four days before that, we've got Cindy on the books. And you know what? All of my guys are really, really comfortable with those movements. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of coaching to do that day. Great. That's a perfect time for me to do a 10, 15 minute dedicated muscle up practice before Cindy. It doesn't directly relate to this workout, but it's priming the pump for what's going to happen a few days down the road. And so looking for little opportunities like that where, hey, you know what? It's a 5K row day. We're going to work on rowing technique a little bit today, but you know what? There's also an opportunity in there to get some positional work in on the clean or whatever it happens to be. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a good a good use of time. Kill as many birds as you can with, with one stone because Lord knows it. Coaches are earning their <laughs> money just, you know. Absolutely. Herding cats during every yeah. every class that they run at the affiliate. Tough, so, man. yeah, get, get, get the information into your athlete's head. I'm a big fan of, you know, the smarter that your athletes are, the more educated they are into the cross and methodology, the, you know, they... Some people want to come in and just mindlessly work out. I get that. That's fantastic. Mm. But for those that have a yearning for the knowledge, if you can drop these little tidbits in during the class as to why we're doing certain things, and little by little, those will hopefully compound and your athletes will be very much on board as to, you know, why we're spending some time practicing. Why do you, why did you put an empty barbell in my hand? Don't you know how strong I am? Or whatever it happens to be, they'll see the benefit. They'll get better. They'll appreciate it, appreciate you for it. And hopefully they'll stay happy and healthy and thereby be clients at your facility even longer. And that's, and that's the goal. So yes, sir. That's about (laughs) it. Well, I'm going to, uh, warm up here in a bit and do my quote unquote, relatively heavy deadlift lifetime PR (laughs) (laughs) working out today is going to be a a PR. That's what, that's what it's going to be. But I appreciate your input, of course, as always boss. And, Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Anybody listening, we appreciate you as well. Go to the BTWB YouTube channel, check this video out, and in the comments section, let us know what you thought. Give us ideas for future shows. We do read those comments. And if you have some other input for skill sessions, either the benefits or how people can implement them to make their lives even better, 
let us know. Till next time, we'll see you then.